Well, hey, everybody. Um, welcome to Church Online at Spring Hills. I'm so glad you're here, and I don't know where you are, where you're watching from, maybe your living room or bedroom or having breakfast, whatever, but uh, welcome. And I wish we could be together, uh, but thank God we have this technology that we can meet over the Internet, uh, your phone or your computer, uh, at least for a time, and we will be back together once this season is over. God's going to use this season in all of our lives. I know many of you are probably learning patience right now, but we'll be, get, be together soon. Our current series, Teach Us to Pray, is continuing this weekend and next weekend and the weekend after that. So the whole hope of this series is that when we come to God in prayer, we'll have sort of an idea of how to approach God, what the pattern might be in our approach and all that. On one occasion, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave them that model prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus said, pray this way. And then he launched into, you know, our Father, uh, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and on through the prayer. But their request was for Jesus to teach them. And then Jesus said, pray this way. So I want to give you that pattern. We looked at it last weekend. We call it the 4-4 pattern of prayer. Uh, I learned this from Daniel Henderson, uh, who wrote, uh, has written a number of books on prayer. The 4-4 pattern is the way a conductor conducts music in 4-4 time. Uh, if you were here last weekend, you learned this. But this is how it goes, like this, okay? And I learned this in music classes and bands. I've been in all that. So it starts up here, then goes here and over here, then here and then back up here. Uh, the pattern, the 4-4 pattern, is this. So we start with reverence, okay, for God. We start with God in our prayer. We focus on who He is. Then we respond to who God is. And then we make our requests. And then with readiness, we go out. And then we worship Him again with reverence. So reverence for God, response, request, readiness. That's how it goes. And that's a basic pattern. Now, as I give you this pattern, remind you of it uh, through the passage we're going to look at uh, this weekend, I don't want you to get legalistic or wooden or thinking that this is the way I have to approach every prayer. You know, that no, no, this is the point. And I don't think Jesus didn't give the Lord's Prayer uh, as a model for you to just recite verbatim each time in sort of a wooden way. You have a relationship to God in prayer. I mean, that is the... The, the greatest point uh, in your soul's connection with God is it's when you're in prayer to Him. So it's got to be real. It's got to be uh, you know, your emotions involved, your passion, uh, everything involved. So don't let it become a legalistic exercise. Are you with me on that? I know you are. All right. So I want to I look at this 4-4 pattern uh, through the life of Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 1. Turn there, Nehemiah chapter 1, on your phone or in your Bible. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, this opening chapter. Well, at least we're going to look at Nehemiah's prayer. All right, and we'll see the 4-4 pattern as Nehemiah goes through it. Nehemiah, uh, Old Testament book. Uh, Nehemiah was in the... Uh, in the capital of Persia at the time, uh, serving under King Artaxerxes. Now, Persia is present-day Iran. The Persians, it formerly before that, was the part of the Babylonian 
uh, empire, but the Persians took over. They're, they're in the capital, and Nehemiah is working for the king. And Nehemiah is going to hear word that things are not going well in Jerusalem. After the Babylonian captivity, Cyrus, the Persian king before Xerxes, sent them back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and all of that. And they've been doing it for some 70 years. And uh, Nehemiah is going to hear that things are not going well. And so he wants to go help them. And he's going to make a request of the king to go back and help them. But anyway, I want you to see his prayer. And I want you to see the 4-4 pattern. And I'll give you a little bit more about uh, the background and the context as we go along. But first of all, I want you to notice that he begins his prayer with reverence. And when you think of reverence and you're looking at a passage, you want to ask the question, you know, who is God? What do we learn about God in this passage? Uh, so this is what Nehemiah says in his prayer. He says, as soon as I heard these words, now what he's saying here, these words uh, are the report he's received from his brother uh, who was in Jerusalem and has bought re, uh, brought a report. The report that he heard was that the walls were broken down around the city of Jerusalem. The gates in and out of the city were burned with fire. The people were living in shame and in disgrace. And when he heard that, uh, he, it says that he, he sat down, he wept, and he mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I mean, he's, he's entering into his prayer, and it says, And I said, now here's his prayer, O God, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Notice, he's, he's been thinking about the condition of Jerusalem for days. It's, it's really burdened his heart. And instead of coming to God and just saying, God, you know, fix the walls, fix the gates, Help the people. He doesn't start that way. He begins with God in reverence. And he says, God, you are great and awesome. You're in heaven. You are one who uh, keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love you. God, this is who you are. Uh, so start your prayers that way. Uh, we have to say it this way, you know, um, start, your prayer with, start your prayer with an open Bible. What is it saying about God? Who is he? Um, and... Before you seek God's hand, seek God's face. That's the idea. Never seek his hand before seeking his face. Because when you seek God's face and you exalt him and you recognize who he is, that's going to greatly shape uh, your response and the things you ask of him when you do. Um, and it sort of clears out the fog, you know, and gives you a clear vision, a clear vision of God. Oftentimes when we come into come into a time of prayer with God, we usually start with our requests, you know, I need this, I need that, I need, somebody else needs this, that. And we're usually asking for things uh, sort of in a, maybe in a knee-jerk response, I, I could say it that way, or sometimes even a little bit more of a emotional, might say in the fog, you know. Uh, the reason I say that is because I read a story about uh, Florence Chadwick now, uh, she was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways, all right? So she's pretty famous. And in 1952, she wanted to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California, swim from Catalina Island all the way to the coast. It was a 22-mile swim. Uh, she 
got into the waters in uh, 1952 on a foggy and chilly morning, and she could hardly see the boats that were accompanying her, and she starts out swimming. Now, the boats accompanied her to encourage her as she swam, 22 miles, a long way to swim. Um, and also to, to ward off sharks as they might come around. I mean, it was quite a, quite a dangerous swim. And after she had been swimming for 15 hours, uh, she begged to be taken out of the water. Her mother was in one of the boats alongside, told her she was close and that she could make it. But finally, uh, Florence Chadwick, physically and emotionally exhausted, uh, stopped swimming and was pulled out. Now, when she was pulled out, uh, she realized while she was on the boat that she was, she was less than a half a mile away from the shore. Now, why did she give up? Uh, she, she answered questions in a news conference the next day, and this is what she said. She said, quote, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. See, that's the idea of reverence with God. Start with God. He's big enough to handle it. He loves you. He cares about you. Remind yourself of his great promises. Two months later, by the way, uh, Florence Chadwick uh, took to the same swim from Catalina Island, and uh, she made it, even though it was still foggy and she couldn't see anything. But she knew that the coastline was there. Um, and maybe in, in, that, in that way, our prayers are going to grow in confidence and faith, and we're going to ask the right things as we continue to see God, okay, above the fog and above the um, confusion, so to speak. Well, once we've reverenced God and we've started with God's face, then we're going to respond in our heart to Him. We haven't gotten the request yet, but we're going to respond in our heart to Him. Well, how should we respond? Nehemiah says this. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So um, he is going to respond, and the way you respond to God, I mean, you, you respond in praise, you respond in adoration, you acknowledge him. And oftentimes when you see God for who he is, in His glory, in His holiness, in His purity, the light of God's presence. When you see God, it oftentimes leads to a profound sense of your own need for forgiveness and cleansing and getting right with Him. This often happens. Oftentimes, you know you've been in God's presence when your first response is humility. And your first response is, oh God, I really need you. I'm desperate for you. Uh, in this case, you see Nehemiah. Uh, confessing sins, we've acted very corruptly against you, have not kept, kept your commandments, there's confession. He's confessing for the nation. He's confessing for himself. Um, and this is important, you know. I, I think we, we um, before we make our requests to God, we need to know who he is and who we are uh, and, and what our, our position is and how desperate we are for him. Uh, and take responsibility maybe for the broken down walls and 
the gates that have burned with fire and the shame and the disgrace. You know, I, um, I know I'm on track with God when I'm taking more responsibility for what's happening in my life to the degree that things are not going well. I mean, you can see the broken down walls, the burned gates uh, in Jerusalem and the shame and the disgrace is because the people haven't kept covenant with God. I mean, if you go back in uh, some years prior to this, they went into original captivity because of their idolatry, because they've gotten away from God, because of their sin. And their whole condition was not God's fault. It wasn't like God had broken promises. It was because of their own choices. Um, so if I'm going to make requests of God, I, I certainly need to be honest with God. I certainly need to be in a place where I'm thinking straight about who I am. Ray Steadman had this quote, uh, or said this. He said, it has always been true of the people of God that any degree of self-justification will cancel out recovery. Let me give that to you before, especially this phrase. He says, any degree of self-justification will cancel out recovery. I'm not ready to come into God with requests until I have emptied myself of self-justification. I mean, I'm, I'm coming totally, humbly dependent on Him. So certainly confession is one of the ways we respond to the vision of God that we've received from the Scriptures. And then we're ready to move into the third thing, which is requests, okay? Requests from God. Where we say, what should I pray about now? What, given who he is, uh, given my response, what am I going to pray about? And Nehemiah says this, Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though, you're out, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts, of heaven. From there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. Now he's making requests of God and uh, he is appealing to God and God's will for him. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Here he's requesting the ear of God, for God's ear to be attentive. That's what he's saying. God, when you, when you, in Scripture, when God hears you, when God hears your prayer, it's, it's going to be responded to, all right? Um, like it, back with Moses, when Moses met with God in the Midian Desert, uh, and God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, and Moses went over to see the bush that was burning but wasn't consumed. God says to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have heard, you know, of their suffering. I've heard them, and I'm sending you, Moses, to go and to bring them out of Egypt. But God hears, he responds. God hears the prayer, hears the cry, he responds. Um, and so... This is what Nehemiah is saying. I know who you are, God. I've, I've seen you. I know your promises. I'm responding to them in my heart. I know who you are. Now I'm going to ask you things, and I want you to hear it. And God, I believe you will hear it because I'm asking in accordance with what you've said and who you, what you've promised. And it's not that we need to remind God of what he's promised, but we need to 
we need to hear those things and remind ourselves in our asking. Uh, there's a great passage uh, you can look uh, on your Bible, or I'll read it for you. Look it up in the, in your Bible. It's First John chapter five, and uh, verse verse fourteen, and verse fifteen. And this is what it says. Listen to this. John says, this is the confidence we have toward God, toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Interesting. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So you see what John is saying here. When you ask according to God's word, God's will, God's ways, God's person, when you ask that way, he hears. When he hears, he responds. If he hears us, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. So parents, think about this illustration. When your kids ask you for something that's in your will, that is, when your kids ask you for something that you want to give them that's good for them, then you hear it and you respond, right? Your kid says to you, hey, mom, can you make healthy dinners for me because I really want to be healthy and, and I don't want to eat sh too much sugar. And so would you make a healthy meal for me? And, and Lord, also, could we all sit down as a family and put our phones away and, and just connect with each other and be together over a healthy meal? All right, well, you as a parent, what are you going to say? You're going you're gonna to hear that? You're like, did I, just think, did I just hear what I thought I heard? And you're going to hear it, you're going to respond, and of course you want to do that. Uh, but if, you're, if your kid says to you, hey, I want to go with my friends, we're going to meet at 1 in the morning and just hang out for a few hours, can I take the car and go uh, do that? I know, now that I just got my license, I think it's a good idea. What do you think? Do you hear that? No. No. You're like, I can't hear you. I can't hear So here's the idea. What Nehemiah is saying here. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And he wants God to be attentive and to hear and respond because he's acknowledged who God is and he's confessed his need for God and his sin. And now he's coming with his request. And it'll be the same way for you. You open the scriptures. You open the scriptures. And you pray them back to God. And God hears. Because you're, you're saying to God, this is who you are, this is, this is who I am, this is my need, I know who you are, and God is listening. So um, seek God's face before you seek God's hand, and if you want to apply the scriptures in your life, then pray them back to God. It's the best way to do it. Even in your dinnertime meal, you know, start with God in your in your meal, your prayer at the dinner table. Just say, God, you're so good, you provide all we need. There's unlimited supply with you, God. And we, we want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for this food. Just another example of your great provision and your great love for us. All right? Let's eat. But start with God. All right. Now, finally, then a readiness uh, is the sort of the fourth thing here. Readiness. All right? Where am I going from here? This is what Nehemiah does. Now, he really, he really narrows in on his specific request that has to do with readiness. He says, give success to your servant and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Give me success, God. I'm going, I'm going to talk to the king, Artaxerxes. 
Uh, and I, I need success. Now, he's going to ask Artaxerxes for a, a leave, a time of leave to go back to Jerusalem to help with the rebuilding of the wall and the gates and all of that. He's going to ask to leave. And he doesn't know how the king's going to respond. Okay, the king could respond in a lot of ways. The king could say, I don't want to talk to you. The king could say, you're fired. The king could say, uh, you know, take him out and execute him. I mean, seriously, Artaxerxes, king of Persia, king over the whole world, essentially. Uh, and Nehemiah is a little nervous as to how it's going to go. Give me success, God. I was cupbearer to the king. Now, as cupbearer, Nehemiah had tremendous power as cupbearer. They, they would bring the the cup of wine to the king that he would enjoy for dinner and all that. Um, they would oversee the safety of the king. Uh, if if his food is poisoned, they would be eating it first. They would be drinking the, the wine first or whatever he's drinking. They would drink it first to make sure that nobody was trying to, you know, kill the king. So it had to be, the cupbearer was a very trusted position. It was a very responsible position. Extra biblical literature says also that the cupbearer had the signet ring of the king. The signet ring would have the emblem of the king on the ring. And if there was a decree made, the signet ring would be pressed into wax and seal the decree, which means it's coming from the king and it must be, it must be done. Uh, also, it was like the, the credit card of the king and the power of the attorney of the king. I mean, Nehemiah was in a very powerful position, uh, but you never knew, you know, how these kings were going to respond. So he wanted success. And just to give you the rest of the story, uh, he did have tremendous success. God answered his prayer. He went back to Jerusalem. You can read through Nehemiah, especially the first nine chapters. I encourage you with that. It's an amazing story. He goes back. They rebuild the wall. There's incredible teamwork uh, that goes on. They renew the nation. They People are encouraged and all that. Matter of fact, when you get to chapter 6, you read this in chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished. On the 25th day of the month, Elul, which is August, September, in 52 days, in under two months, they took these walls that had broken down and they rebuilt them. Amazing. And I've been to Jerusalem and seen the walls around the city. It's huge. It's a big area. Uh, and the gates, they had to rebuild the gates in less than two months working together. Uh, Nehemiah says this. He says, and when all our enemies heard of it, those who were you know, discouraging the work and all of that, the enemies. When they heard that the wall had been built in less than two months, the nations around us were afraid and, and, and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived, I love this, that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. There it is. Now, God not only answers Nehemiah's prayer, but God gets glory through what happens. And I, I'm just telling you, I'll tell you this right now. If you're, if you're discovering God in the Scriptures and you are learning who He is and praising Him and then asking things which are in accordance with His will, uh, He's hearing you, and when He responds to you, He's going to receive glory for it. And people are going to see Jesus in you, all right, in powerful ways. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you need right now. I mean, you... Maybe you're maybe you feel like your walls are broken down. <clears throat> what is that picture? You know, you're 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 discouraged. You feel uh, some hopelessness, perhaps, because of the coronavirus, and maybe you're out of out of work right now, and at least for three wor- weeks, and you don't know what's coming down the pike. Uh, cr- creating some tension in your relationships, you know, cabin fever, all of that. Uh, but you might be discouraged because of the way things are going. 
Um, and your, your gates might be burned with fire. You know, maybe there's some bitterness setting in in your heart, maybe some confusion, disillusionment. Maybe you're not letting people into your life. Maybe you're, um, you know, you're, you're distancing yourself. You sort of moved, your, um, moved away emotionally from people. I don't know what you're going through, but y- how do you respond to that? I mean, how do you respond? You're, you're going to go to God in prayer. You're just going to, and this is going to be a daily thing for you. But you're going to go to God in prayer. And when you go, you're, you're going to go, first of all, and, and, and see him. See who God is, high and lifted up. You're going you're gonna to see him. And that's going to that's gonna bring about a response in you. As a matter of fact, when you go to the scripture, just ask the Holy Spirit, show me who you are, God. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself. And then you're gonna, your requests are going to be different. Like maybe provision, you're going to say, Lord, you're the great provider. You love me with steadfast love. You keep covenant. You keep promises. Uh, I know that, God, and I'm trusting you. I'm not going to become disillusioned or bitter or lose faith. And, God, so I'm asking you to just provide for me according to your will and in your time and in your way, and I trust you to do that. And so now, Lord, I'm going to come away from this time of prayer in peace. Without anxiety, without worry. You see what I'm saying? Just you, you just want to take whatever it is, whatever burden, whatever wall is broken down and and gate needs repair and bring it to God and start with his person. So I want to pray for you right now, uh, right where you are. So wherever you're gathered, uh, Spring Hills Church, uh, let's pray. I want to pray for you. And would you also in your own heart be thinking you're praying for everybody else watching the service online right now? Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are eternal God, creator of the heavens and the earth. You're my creator. And God, you're powerful. You're omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And Lord, because of who you are, we trust you. We're not going to worry or fear or fret. We're not going to become anxious about anything. You love us. You knew the coronavirus was coming. You knew this was going to affect the whole world. As a matter of fact, God, we know you have a plan for this because you work all things together for good to those who love you. You're going to use this. As a matter of fact, in your great scheme of things, we don't understand all that's going on behind the scenes, but we know that more people are going to come to faith in you because they'll realize that they don't have control of their life. They'll realize that they need you. And so, God, work, do what you're going to do. And thank you that you're working in our church. And thank you we can meet together like this and cause our church to grow spiritually and numerically. And when we come together for a great celebration face-to-face, Lord, we'll just say, wow, wow, look at who you are. Receive all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Well, um, We're going to take our offering now, and I wish that we could do it together, but we're going to do it online, all right? So this is the time where we take our offering, and I want to just remind you of some ways you can give. Obviously, you can't give through the offering uh, buckets, but you can text Spring Hills um, to the number 77977. Uh, If you have the Spring Hills app on your phone, you can open there, and there's a place for you to give. Um, You can set up reoccurring gifts. Also, you can go to springhills.org slash give, and you can give that way. Uh, I really feel in my heart this is a time for us, you know, to 
act in greater faith with God? I mean, it's almost like saying, okay, I, I may be, this future is uncertain, but God, you're not uncertain. I mean, I'm not sure what my job's going to, what's going to have my job, but you are. So God, in faith, I'm going to give to build up your church, to allow its ministry to expand and grow. I'm going to give to you, God, in faith. And I can promise you, based on his promise, God's promise, I can promise you in his name, he'll take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added to you. We're going to sing a couple of songs. I want to close our service in prayer now, and um, we're going to sing a couple of songs together. And I just, as we sing these songs and as they come on, come online, um, just let it, let it free your heart, okay? God, you're God's child. You're, not, you're no longer in bondage to fear or to worry. You're his child, and he loves you. Lord, thank you. We get to uh, come before you now and worship and praise. We give from our heart. We know you'll multiply and abundantly supply. We trust you. We are your children. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.